Hello, podcast listeners. This is David Benjamin, the host of the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, we have an expert on kombucha. She is uh, bona fide, certified, and an amazing expert on kombucha, which is one of my favorite healthy beverages. Her name is Hannah Crum. She's the kombucha mama, industry journalist, commercial brewing consultant, founder of Kombucha Camp, and mentor to thousands of homebrewers around the world. Over the last five years, she and her partner, she and her, she and partner Alex Ligori have documented the dramatic growth of the bottled kombucha business, on pace to become a $500 million segment by 2015. While helping shepherd companies of all sizes through the commercial kombucha process, they recently founded Kombucha Brewers International, the first non-profit trade association dedicated to promoting kombucha worldwide. Their writings and workshops have been featured on the Viria Network as well as in the BevNet, Beverage Spectrum Magazine, Whole Life Times Magazine, Los Angeles Times, Best Bets, Elephant Journal, Vital Juice, and many more. Learn to brew healthful, delicious kombucha. Find out more about continuous brewing, the ancient method. Keep up on kombucha industry news and enjoy videos, podcasts, and brewing secrets at the number one kombucha site in the world, kombuchacamp.com. And that's kombucha camp. Camp is with a K, K A M P.com. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks, David. It's great to be here. I'm glad you could join us. Kombucha is something. I've, I heard your podcast actually on uh, Sean Croxton's podcast, and I thought, perfect for the Healthy Wild Free podcast. You know more than anyone I've heard talk about kombucha, even uh, people that I know that brew kombucha and have companies brewing kombucha. So uh, I wanted to start the interview asking you, what's your story and how did you get interested in health and specifically kombucha initially? Well, in terms of getting interested in health, it really was through kombucha that that process started. And um, I like to think of my story, my kombucha journey, as kombucha kismet. It was fate. I knew nothing of kombucha. This was back in uh, 2003. And I went to visit a friend from college who was living in San Francisco. And uh, being from the Midwest, you know, there were a lot of kind of really groovy things that were going on in that apartment. For one, there was a filter on the shower. And while I knew all about filtering my drinking water, the thought of filtering out the chlorine for my body was like, whoa, that's weird. But, of course, now I have a whole house filter, and and that's the norm for me. Um, on this tour, we also, I got to see their Solate, which is uh, Himalayan salt crystal water, and you drink the salt. And, of course, back at that time, I was like, wait, salt's bad for you. Why would you want to drink it? That seems really strange. Um And then they showed me their table, and on the table was a box, and in the box were these mysterious jars covered with cloth covers, and they go, that's the kombucha. (laughs) Never heard of it, had no idea what it was, and in fact, we didn't even taste it because it it was still brewing. Uh, But I got back to L.A., and of course, there's all kinds of great health food stores here, popped over to my local Whole Foods, and I found the kombucha on the shelf. I was like, whoa, I heard about this stuff. I'm going to try it out. So I grabbed a bottle, took a sip, and it was like, you know, love at first sip. For me, it was really that, like, resonance with the sour and the tangy and the bubbles. Like, it just really was kind of, it, it caught my, my vibrational attention, and I was instantly intrigued by it. But at that time, you know, 10 years ago, it was still, like, $5 a bottle, $6 a bottle, which is expensive for those of us on a budget. Um And so outside of my typical behavior, I decided I was just going to make it myself. I'd seen the mysterious jars. I was just going to make this stuff. 
Now, um, you know, I have a little bit of a true confession there, and that is I was a uh, – I would sneak the pickle juice out of the fridge, and my mom would – whatever she'd catch me, she'd go, don't drink that. That's so bad for you. It's so salty and sour. And she was probably right. It was probably bad for me because it had full of chemicals or whatnot. They were not lacto-fermented pickles. But um, I just really love that kind of flavor profile. So for me, kombucha at first sip, it was definitely uh, a meant-to-be relationship. Mm-hmm. And how about how about you, David? What was your first time drinking kombucha like? Did you like the sourness, or did you find it weird? That's a great question. I think I want to say the first kombucha I had had chia seeds in it, and I thought this is interesting and different. But I did like it. I just love the taste, and it kind of reminded me of something I'd have as a kid, like Kool Aid or lemonade or something like that. You know, that I could actually taste something delicious, and yet it's still be it's still healthy. So that for me was like cool, two thumbs up. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was it was a good, exciting moment from then on. I've been you know drinking and, and brewing myself. Uh, for the listeners that aren't 100% clear on what kombucha is or familiar, how would you describe kombucha to someone, a stranger walking down the street? Well, we we call it fermented tea because that's what it is. Basically, we're taking tea and sugar. We add our starter culture, which happens to look kind of like a mushroom, which is where the misnomer of kombucha mushroom tea comes from. It's not actually a mushroom. It just, you know, just like a kefir grain isn't actually a grain, ancient peoples, when they saw this thing, what else are you going to call it? Something that you're familiar with. So, um so it is fermented tea. We're putting that culture in there, and then we let it just hang out for uh, a week to ten days. When it's done, we harvest what's there and drink it. And it it has that sourness to it because the dominant bacteria, and the bacteria are the ones who build this little mushroom-looking thing, um, they are acetobacter. So acetobacter create acetic acid just like vinegar. So uh, where an apple cider vinegar will come in around a 5% acetic solution, kombucha is only around 1%. So it's a lot easier to drink more kombucha than, say, straight vinegar. And you get all the health benefits that you would find from drinking a vinegar plus the added benefits from having tea and that fermentation process. So it's kind of like a tea vinegar if that's mm-hmm. a way people can think about it. Mm-hmm. And that sales pitch might not sound too exciting, but I promise you it's much better than it sounds. (laughs) Well, I mean, look, our our culture is over-sugarfied right now, so it sounds weird. But in fact, you know, we've been consuming fermented foods as a species, you know, since we evolved into this format. You know, bacteria have been kind of our pals along the way, not only with the food preservation aspect, but also with with the health benefits that come from the fermented foods. And so sour was a very normal part of our profiles these days because of, you know, all the high fructose corn syrup and the additives and whatnot. You know, people's palates and pH have kind of gotten out of balance. So for some people, that flavor sounds, uh, scary because it's not what they're expecting. But mm-hmm. you know what? There's so many brands of kombucha out there, David, that I bet if somebody went into a Whole Foods, they could find one that had a flavor that resonated with them. Because, um, and you mentioned you know some people who are also making um, kombucha in companies, but, you know, some some are sweeter. Some are going for more of this tart flavor. Some are even making kombucha beer out of it. So we're seeing a really exciting uh, diversity diversification in the kombucha space in terms of all these different flavor profiles available. So hopefully that, that vinegar talk didn't scare you away and, and people will go out and find one that, that looks good. I know someone's listening right now thinking, okay, tea, I kind of like tea, but adding vinegar to it, eh. <laughs> but it's really, it's really, like you said, the fermentation process really changes things up a lot. 
And you mentioned sugar too, obviously that sweetens things. Can you talk a bit about how the sugar isn't the same as if you were to add sugar to water and drink it? Why is it a di- how is it different? Absolutely. So um, the sugar, uh, normally if we just put sugar in water, right, we taste the sweetness. We're not fermenting it. Um, In the fermentation process, the sugar is not for you, the end consumer. It's the substrate. It's the nutrition that the yeast start feeding on right away. So uh, our culture is called a SCOBY. And that's an acronym for symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. So I already mentioned how the bacteria create the structure. The yeast are these kind of brown bits. They sometimes look green or black, not to freak anybody out, but but they're these kind of bits that hang off the, the culture, and they start consuming the sugar right away. They break the sugar down. So... So sugar is a disaccharide, di meaning two saccharide sugar, right, two sugars. So sucrose is a molecule molecule of fructose and a molecule of glucose. So when the yeast start bringing it down, they, they, they break it off into those two different types of sugars. As a byproduct of that fermentation or splitting or process, they create CO2, which is our natural effervescence or carbonation, and they also create trace amounts of ethanol. Now the bacteria then take this ethanol that's created by the yeast and they consume that, turning it into the healthy acids that help with the detoxification process that bring the body back into balance so the immune system can heal itself. So there's kind of a bifold, that's the symbiosis part, right? So first the yeast eats the sugar, they create those two byproducts, then the bacteria consume the byproducts and turn it into the healthy acids. so, so that's what the sugar does, is it's really for the culture itself. And that's why the longer you ferment it, and this is the neat thing about doing it at home, is you get to be in full control of that process. So some people say, because they are still kind of in that sweeter profile, they might have a shorter fermentation cycle. And in fact, in Russia, that's what they used to do. They would only ferment it for a day or two, and it was more like their their soda pop because they didn't have, back in the 80s, they didn't have Coke and Pepsi and all that, so they just made their own soda pop through fermented drinks. Um, whereas other people, say diabetics or candida sufferers or people who just like sour things, they might let it go longer. You do get kind of more of those healthy acids created later in the fermentation process, and you can always shift that flavor by adding a little juice or whatever. But some people really like that tartness because it just, it's the kind of tartness that uh, every once in a while I'll just have a sip and it'll catch me off guard. And I feel like at the same moment, every nerve in my body is going, <laughs> which is an exciting feeling. It's like you feel alive when you drink it. Yeah. So basically the sugar breaks down into a new form. So it's not really quote unquote sugar anymore is what you're saying. Exactly right. And even when you look at the sugar grams on the back of a bottle of kombucha, um, it's not the same. Those grams are not equivalent to table sugar. So even though you might see something that's 8 grams, 11 grams per serving, which sounds, you know, higher than people who want a low sugar diet, though certainly a lot less than a soda or juice or anything, um, that sugar's already been fermented been partially digested and converted into a form that your body can utilize and it doesn't have the same negative impact that just eating a straight sucrose, you know, table sugar would have on the body. So it's a lot easier for the body to, to utilize that, that sugar and that energy. Right. So with, with that sugar still being in the kombucha, does kombucha affect blood sugar levels at all? Actually, um, 
many people have found, and they've done some research in rats um, in different countries, and in the U.S. they're also doing research on rats and stuff like that, not really human studies, unless you consider the hundreds of years that people have been consuming it on a regular basis. Um, but many people have found who are diabetics that drinking kombucha reduces blood sugar spikes. And in fact, some folks have been able to reduce the amount of insulin they're using because the kombucha helps to um, even out that those those levels. So um, there's there's some really good indicators from the research that's been conducted that this can have a very beneficial effect on diabetics and other people who have blood sugar issues. So the energy isn't coming from the sugar, it's coming from a couple different places. Um, so one place is it's coming from the fermentation process because the yeast create B vitamins. And um, many people have found that B vitamins helps contribute to energy, so they take a supplement. So now you're getting that B vitamin, though, in, in an original form in a form that your body has evolved to be able to use, right? It's not, a, it's not like in a pill, it's not like in a chemicalized artificial form, but it's in a living form that your body can utilize. And then the other way in which it helps contribute energy to the body is it improves digestion. I mean, think about it. You have a big meal, it's delicious, but now you kind of want to sit down, relax, and pass out, and that's not always possible if you only have a half-hour lunch hour. Uh, so having a kombucha helps improve that digestive process, which then, instead of all the blood rushing to your stomach to take care of that process, now you have energy that you can then use for other things. Right. It's relocating energy to the mind, the body, that makes sense. So interesting. I did not know that the yeast creates B vitamins. Is it a specific? Is it multiple B vitamins? B one, two, three, and so on. Yeah, yeah, really? they make all of them. And you know, I have a theory about this, David. I'd love I've been to hear it. Now for <laughs> for ten years and whatnot, and uh, you know, it's a living organism in the sense that the bacteria are alive. And granted, they're microscopic. It's not like waving hello to me when I come home or anything. Right. Um, that would be that cool would be though. a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Hey, kombucha. Welcome to home. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I've come to kind of understand, like, people have a craving for carbonation. And this just comes from, like, feedback from customers who've written in who are like, oh, I want carbonation. I'm not getting the carbonation I want. How do I increase the carbonation? And it dawned on me, like, what creates the carbonation? Well, it's the yeast. And so it's like our body instinctually craves natural effervescence, right, natural carbonation because it's an indicator of nutrition present. Now, I'm not saying we make this conscious decision about it. It's like because over time we've been consuming these fermented foods and, and ferment, if you go back to the root word, is like fervere, to boil, because the action of the yeast in the fermentation process, and, and I know you said you, you've done some fermenting, so you've probably seen evidence of this, but the little bubbles that end up being created on the surface, whether that's in a sauerkraut or a kefir or kombucha, this isn't. This looked like boiling to the ancients, and so that's where the root of this word came from. But it all indicates the action of the yeast. Hmm. Very and interesting. So, so right. So then, my personal theory is that we've evolved to crave that. And what's unfortunate is these natural cravings have then been substituted with simulacrum sodas. Right. So soda mm -hmm. is a wannabe fermented drink. We've been fermenting flowers, herbs, anything we can find in nature to create natural sodas, right? Soft drinks. Um, you know, if you let it ferment, if you ferment different things, you create hard 
liquor or hard drinks, but then you have these kind of low alcohol, healthy low alcohol, naturally fermented beverages, kefir and whatnot, that are your soft drinks. Um, so adding carbonation is directly imitating the action of the yeast in a soda. Adding phosphoric acid imitates the healthy acids present in a kombucha or kefir, but it's in a chemicalized form. So whereas the low pH of a soda is going to have a negative effect on your overall health, it's going to rob the body of nutrition and minerals. Kombucha, which is at a pH between 2.5 and 3.5, which sounds very acidic, but just like lemon juice, just like vinegar, as soon as it gets into your digestive system, those healthy acids lower the pH in the stomach, um, which helps improve digestion and also alkalizes. Because when you have the, the acid balance in your stomach, which is where it's supposed to be, because that's your, you know, your digesting section, then you're more alkaline in the rest of your body. Right. So it's basically what you're saying is kombucha is alkaline forming within the body, just like limes and lemons are, even though they're acidic in nature. Exactly right. Very cool. Awesome. So beyond, and it's interesting too, you mentioned, you know, when you first tried kombucha, it was kind of a, you had a little buzz. And I, I, I don't remember the first time I had kombucha, but I do know that each time I do have kombucha, I get that little buzz. So maybe the combination of the B vitamins and you know, healing my digestive system and gut and those types of things are what's giving me that boost. Beyond the, the B vitamins, the probiotic content, what what other health benefits are associated with kombucha and what else can, can people expect to benefit from by consuming it? Sure. Um, and, you know, it has a very long history of use, particularly in terms of digestive issues. So whether that's IBS or um, or uh, acid reflux or um, colic in babies, there's a whole history of use for those specific issues. And it's not just the healthy probiotics, the healthy bacteria getting into the gut, but there's also um, healthy acids that are created that balance the body. So one of the most important healthy acids created by kombucha is gluconic and glucuronic acid. Now, both of these acids specifically detoxify the liver. So when we look at the body and how it works, our digestive system is also our immune system. Um, and the liver is a filter. And the liver is kind of the last filter before what we've put into our bodies through our mouths, through digestion, gets into our bloodstream. So the liver is responsible for processing things that are potentially toxic to us. For instance, high amounts of alcohol or pharmaceutical drugs, things like that. And you can imagine over time, if you're not you know, gradually detoxifying your liver on a regular basis, it's going to get gummed up with toxins. It's not going to work properly, especially if you've had any kind of health issue where you've had, you know, extended exposure to antibiotics or, or other medications that can have a really a tough, a tough load on your body. So kombucha has this great healthy acid that helps detoxify the liver naturally. And so a lot of times, when people say, oh, drinking kombucha just makes me feel good, that feel good is coming from the fact that their liver is healthy. Because here's the other cool thing. I don't know if you know this, David. This, you know, this is why I say kombucha has led me to learn more about health and be really curious about this stuff because it wasn't something I was totally into before, before making my own kombucha. But um, uh, the liver 
is responsible, and, and once you think about it, it makes sense, but the liver is actually the one responsible for creating serotonin and things like that. So uh, I always thought there was like a pharmacy in my brain doling out happy drugs or whatever, you know, right. like that. I just imagined everything was happening in my head. And then, of course, it makes so much sense. Why do we eat while our body requires nutrition that our body isn't physiologically able to produce? And so when we consume those things, of course, that's where our happy chemicals are created is through that digestive process. So having a healthy liver, having those B vitamins, all of that also helps contribute to the number one thing we hear people say is that's kombucha just makes me feel good. Yeah. So, but being specifically a liver detox has some other advantages. For instance, kombucha cocktails are one of my favorite ways to drink kombucha because that little bit of poison gets balanced out by the antidote kombucha. So, when you have a kombucha cocktail, you still get a little buzz, but you also can continue to enjoy yourself at the party and don't have to, um, you know, be totally wasted in the corner by yourself. Or um, or you do that first, and then you have some kombucha, and then now you're ready to continue your party. Okay, what is a kombucha cocktail? I've never, I've never heard of this before. Oh, sure. There's some great recipes at our blog, kombuchacamp.com. There's, like, kombucha ritas, and there's, uh, um, you know, basically people are just taking kind of any cocktail that's already out there and putting kombucha in with it. So I've seen, I've seen like, Moscow mules with a ginger kombucha, or um, there, there's just anything that you can apply your imagination to. It's there. And this is coinciding with the reappearance of shrubs, which are flavored vinegars that are also added to cocktails or consumed as a kind of soft drink substitute. So there's some neat things happening out there that are conspiring to bring kombucha more into the forefront. Very interesting. And that, yeah, that's interesting, the serotonin within the, the gut as well. I, I, From what I remember, 80% of serotonin is produced in the gut, so balancing you know, the gut microbes and those types of things detoxifying and allowing the body to create that serotonin makes a lot of sense. Beyond serotonin, B vitamins, uh, what else was there? The probiotics and these types of things and the, the beneficial acids being created. Is there anything else? I didn't know there was that much. So there's, there's yes. got to be more. <laughs> there is. And this is, this is the part where it's like, oh, my gosh, kombucha is just snake oil. They say it can cure anything. And... That's not exactly true. So the reason that kombucha is so effective at at healing all of these things and it also helps to heal autoimmune disease because, again, when we realize what is the source of eczema, gout, um, gluten intolerance, you know, food allergies, the source of all of these things comes back to the fact that we live in an incredibly toxic world. Over 800 approved chemicals used in consumer products, whether that's food or beauty supplies or whatever, you are every day absorbing toxins. And then there's the air pollution, there's the water pollution, there's the weird chemicals they put in there to help your teeth, which don't actually help. And you know what I mean? Like, if you think about it, we are literally bombarded with chemicals on a daily basis in a way that our ancestors never had to deal with. And so we like to say kombucha doesn't heal anything. What kombucha does is through that gradual detoxification process, it brings the body back into balance so your immune system can heal itself. Because when you look at our human body, it is amazingly regenerative. Uh, if you cut a liver in half, the liver will regrow. Now, we really? may not be starfish. We can't just cut our arms off and, and <laughs> hope that that will regrow, although maybe if we had the right stem cells, we could. Uh, but 
But our bodies are, I mean, think about it. Every day your body is creating new cells. Old cells are dying. They're being, you know, dealt with and, and excreted like your skin, right? Every seven, is it seven weeks or seven years or seven days, whatever it is, it's regenerating and you have a new layer of skin. Yeah. So our body is already terrifically amazing at regeneration. But the problem is, is when we toxify it, when we're ill, when we're eating foods that don't support nutrition, our body doesn't have the basic blocks it needs in order to um, to thrive. And, that, and that's why people kind of put kombucha on a pedestal a little bit because they start drinking it and you know, all these issues that they've been taking medications for suddenly clear up. And it feels like a miracle, but really it is. It's nutrition. It's getting that nutrition in a living form that your body's evolved to consume. That, again, we evolved with these fermented foods. They have been our buddies since time immemorial. And, and I'm so grateful that there's people like Sander Katz and other fermentationists who are kind of leading this fermentation revival because it's really bringing a lot of health in an inexpensive way back to people. Yeah, I agree. Question, have you had kombucha yet today? Yes. <laughs> Good. I was about to say. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't, that's a great question though, David, is that I don't actually drink kombucha every single day. Is there a now, reason for that? Well, just uh, trusting my gut. So we're really, we really believe that there is, and just from what we've experienced in our life, there's an innate knowledge already within our bodies that we're born with. It's passed through our DNA. It's, you know, hundreds of years of evolution of, of this organism into its current form. And what comes with that is a certain intelligence, innate knowledge, right? In, it's inside. Right. <laughs> so, so what, hap- what has happened, though, is because of the propaganda that we get on a daily basis through advertising and news articles and the kind of, you know, the dietary recommendations from government agencies and things like that, <clears throat> we've lost the ability to listen to our bodies and trust the information because we're told, well, no, if we're low fat, then we're not going to get fat. But what we see is the exact opposite happens because, in fact, we need healthy fats to feel satiated and eat less. So it's interesting how these regulations have created many of the health problems, the obesity epidemic and that kind of thing. And and so what we're having to do is kind of look back to, well, how did people in ancient times do it? Because they weren't all running around obese. That certainly wasn't the case or, or having eczema or whatever. So what is it that they did that kept them healthy? And this is why I think we see people looking back to discover these these remedies. I mean, look, Mother Nature is here to help us in every way we can if we look to her for support. And that's through plants and fermented foods and, you know, eating as close to, to nature in the way that our ancestors did as we can. Um, mm-hmm. Help me get back on track here, David. I'm, I'm like, I'm a great conversationalist, but I have <laughs> lose my thread so well it's, it's interesting you bring that up the the whole trust your gut thing because i actually kind of have my own theory on this and the, my theory is that because you have the probiotics and the good uh, bacteria the probiotics and prebiotics and things that support your body in that microbial balance in the gut and then you have bad bacteria essentially so bacteria that wreaks havoc and causes confusion within the gut i think personally that when you have more probiotics and you have your gut has that balance or at least enough of the balance, you can trust your gut and you feel gut feelings more often because when you don't have that that gut working properly, I don't think it communicates with your brain as well. I don't know if there's something to that or I don't know if you've had experience with that yourself or with 
with kombucha drinkers. Can you speak on that a bit? Absolutely. I mean, and you led me back to what I was trying to remember, and that is closing the feedback loop. So, and then I'm going to get to your question specifically. But closing the feedback loop, in my mind, is about, you know, people who sit there eating processed foods, talking about how terrible they feel, never connecting the dots that what they're putting in their mouths is directly causing them to feel bad, right? They're, they're not making that connection. The feedback, feedback loop is broken. And um, when we start to consciously consume, and this is why we always suggest that people start with small amounts of kombucha first thing in the morning. So that could be anywhere from two ounces up to eight ounces. Because when you have it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, you can feel how the kombucha makes your body feel. And for me, like I'll have it right as I'm walking the dog, and within a few minutes, I can literally feel my stomach relax from the inside. It's just like this kind of internal relaxation. And that, when you look at the root cause of most diseases, diet and stress, well, it makes sense how kombucha then can can ameliorate so many um, illnesses. But in terms of the connection with the brain, like many people say the gut is the second brain, I think it's reversed. Because like Mm -hmm. you're saying, when your gut is in dysbiosis, when you have an overgrowth of candida, which is normal and you're supposed to have some of that in your body, but if for whatever reason it gets out of balance, it takes over your brain. It tells you to eat more sugar even though it makes you feel terrible. And so that feedback that feedback loop is broken. So by starting to consume kombucha or other fermented foods, you you give your body the chance to really feel itself and the more conscious you are. Because starting to drink kombucha, it's usually not just the kombucha alone. You're you're drinking kombucha, you're starting to get into more healthy foods, you're you're exercising more, you know, it's often in concert with several other kind of healing protocols that many people are, are doing at once. So again, we never want to say it's just the kombucha, but it's kind of this um, you know, as you kind of bring your yeah. exactly right. It's the catalyst. It's a it's a gateway in, and we do think of it as kind of a gateway fermented food because it can be consumed by anyone in any dietary, and with its kind of spreading across the United States, at least um, you can find it almost anywhere. Uh, yeah. But that that connection, so the brain and the gut, this is really cool. I'm going to tell you something neat that I've learned along the way, and and that is the gut and the brain are derived from the exact same tissue. So when the fetus is in the mother's womb, that tissue separates and creates these two different systems, one being the brain um, and the vagus nerve, and the other being the enteric system. So the enteric system goes from your mouth to your anus. So it's the whole thing is the enteric system. And in fact, there are more neurotransmitters in your enteric system, in your gut, mouth, etc., than are in your brain. And the reason that we have these like trust your gut or gut reactions I personally believe is it when you have the healthy bacteria in your body they are picking up on the signals from other people's bacteria mm-hmm. and so these gut gut feelings which maybe later on we go back and rationalize oh yeah they were being weird about that or shady about this or you know we kind of have to go after the fact to create the story but in that instinctual gut level our body knows something's off the vibe isn't right you know, and, and, and part of that is, you know, our defense mechanism. This is, uh, you, they become our bacterial force field, not just against pathogenic germs, but protecting us from the elements or sensing when is the right time to do things. Or at least, as someone who's been drinking kombucha and eating fermented foods for a long time, that's what I think is happening, is the bacteria, because they do this thing called quorum sensing, where they're able to communicate by sending out chemical signals, and they're able to just mobilize and act as one unit, 
there's some really neat um, TED Talks and stuff about this subject um, if anyone's curious to explore that further. But I really think um, the more people who we get healthy and back into balance, the more we can mobilize in order to keep um, creating the world that, that we know is now I'm getting all crazy, but you know that that like no, you are healthy crazy and you you have a great life and you're cared for and you live in a community and you're supported and mm-hmm. you know I'm a little pie in the sky hippie, so to speak. But I really do think the more people we get healthy, the less energy, the less time, the less money, the less focus on being sick, trying to get better. I mean, if you think about it, how can you contribute to society if you're constantly battling an illness? Yeah, it's very difficult, and if you can, it's very limited. Right, and so imagine if we had all these healthy, vibrant people who trusted their guts, who who lived, um, you know, who were able to go out and and fight for their values and, and and do that in a way that's peaceful. I think that's really what we're trying to create with this. Mm-hmm. Very cool, and that's that's very interesting. I like, and I, I think you're onto something for sure. You're like the kombucha queen. You should get that website if it's available, uh, because. <laughs> The, I mean, bacteria are living. They're living. Everything is bacteria. Everything is it's life. So, finding having that balance in your gut and feeding that that positive bacteria that works to align your immune system to align your gut. And your immune system obviously is important for, uh, you know, fending off disease, infections, and things that will weaken and kind of uh, confuse your mind, if you will. So uh, that makes a lot of sense, and it's very interesting. And I think like you said, and, and other people that have drink kombucha, once they start to experience it, they start to feel different. They start to realize uh, different things. And, and I think your mind starts to operate in a different way when you're using probiotics and kombucha and eating healthy in general because your body just works differently and it's all connected to the gut. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, different flavors of kombucha because one thing that I like, and I'll just give a quick shout out. Uh, I my favorite kombucha I've ever had is pear mint, and it's from uh, the Uni- Unity Vibration Kombucha Company. It's a Michigan company, and I there's so many different flavors out there, and I think we all kind of uh, resonate with different flavors. Have you found that people resonate or kind of uh, are attracted to different flavors based on nutritional deficiencies? And I have one more question, but I'll let you, I don't want to pile questions. So. No, <laughs> no, yeah, I, you know, that's a great question, and I haven't uh, put those two together in terms of, oh, I have a nutritional deficiency, let me, I gravitate towards this flavor. But what you're hitting on is, first of all, people love flavored kombucha. It's, it's so fun, it's really experimental. You can literally use anything that you can imagine. And we've got a lot of great flavoring recipes on the blog too, turmeric, elderflower. And the neat thing about kombucha is because it is this powerful detoxifier, whatever herbs, be it the turmeric or the elderberries or whatever that you put into the kombucha, it pulls the flavonoids. It pulls the healthy elements of it right into the kombucha. And that's why, like, you'll come back to a strawberry kombucha a day later. The strawberries are white, but the kombucha is pink because it's literally taken all that good stuff and put it in there. So when you start to think about that and pair it with your knowledge of herbs and healing, kombucha becomes a delivery system for herbal nutrition. And a little bit goes a long way. So if you're flaving your kombucha at home, you want to start with small amounts and then work your way up from there. You know, some people like a more intense flavor and and other times a subtler flavor will work. But, you know, when it, it becomes really kind of your your toolbox of what you can work with really opens wide when you realize that 
that kombucha works in in concert with a lot of great herbs. Yeah. And fruit and, you know, vegetables. I mean, we've made all kinds of it. We've even made bacon kombucha. So we <laughs> we oh, wow. we get pretty experimental here uh, just to try different things out. What happens with the bacon kombuchas there? <laughs> But that, I don't I don't see that turning out too well for some reason. I don't know why. Well, you know, because kombucha it has that vinegar savoriness to it, it it actually isn't bad. I mean, pork okay. soda it, it uh, comes to life. Okay, interesting. <laughs> I wonder if if hopefully the 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 ha- the bacon didn't have parasites, but if it did, I right, wonder right. I wonder yeah. who would win, the bacteria or the parasites? That's the ultimate right. question. Um, <laughs> very yeah. interesting. So okay, so. That's really interesting how uh, poles, you said the, the polyphenols, or, the, or flavonoids, mm-hmm. excuse me, out, yeah, out of the, the herb, vegetable, fruit, whatever it may be. So it ba- basically liquidizes that nutrition, is that what you're saying? Well, it's similar to like when you put herbs in vinegar or you mm-hmm. put herbs in alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. And these were original medicines. Is we would put herbs in alcohol and then take small amounts of it because alcohol is actually a healer when consumed in the appropriate way. Um, obviously, we have kind of still the, the overhangs of prohibition in terms of how we perceive alcohol. We often have a very negative perspective on it being Americans. Um, but certainly other countries around the world and other cultures don't have that same negative reaction to it and when we when we honor it for what it is and use it in the way that it's supposed to be medicinally um, it really is one of those things again because stress is one of those things contributing to illness that that relaxation that you get from having whether it's low amounts trace amounts of healthy alcohol in a kombucha or fermented drink kefir or if it's you know slightly higher amounts and less (laughs) don't drink as much of it as you do of the kombucha, but, uh, you know, uh, of these other alcohols with herbs or whatever infused in it, then, you know, you do receive a, a healing benefit. There's there's a lot of research done on, on alcohol and longevity and health, so. Yeah, I think there, there is more to that, and actually I take I take some herbs that are uh, spagyric, I don't know if you're familiar with spagyric extract processing at all. I'm not. I would love to hear more about it. It's basically, and I'm not too familiar with it, but I believe it's a two-week process, and they use a, a, I believe, a grain alcohol to basically pull the, the, uh, like you said, kind of the flavonoids and polyphenols and things like that out of the herbs to, I believe, preserve them, and then also to enhance the uh, longevity of it. Well, I guess that is preserving, <laughs> but it, it, the herbs I take their spagyric extract process are amazing, and I, it's, it uses uh, alcohol. And actually, they had liquid spagyric alcohol uh, herbs as well. So there's, I've seen that, you know, with herbs a lot. That's very a very common uh, kind of traditional way, traditional way of of creating herbs uh, that are very potent and very effective. Uh, so, just the second question that I'd like to ask is: so the kombucha it kind of liquidizes and pulls out that nutrition. Do you, does that make it more bioavailable? So, for example, if I were going to eat a strawberry or if I were going to use that strawberry in a kombucha, do you know if there's any comparison there on the value exchange, if you will? I would love to see that kind of testing done. We're not quite there yet, mostly because can't just put kombucha into a pill and sell it mm-hmm. like a pharmaceutical. Um, it's not going to be as effective that way for sure. And, you know, 
and this is always kind of the conflict with, you know, modern science and research versus a traditional knowledge and information is we're trying to uh, scientifically prove that which as a species we've already understood because they're part of our traditions or our cultures. And um, But I would love to see that. I would say that the fermentation process does make it more bioavailable because when it gets down to it, what's happening in your stomach? bacteria are breaking things down and absorbing mm-hmm. nutrition from them. Yeah. If you already have done that part of the process, your body has less work to do and it can just go, whoop, let me just uptake that. Now I've got that instant nutrition. So when you drink small, frequent amounts of kombucha, you know, some people up to three times a day, you know, an eight-ounce glass, um, that you are literally giving yourself like a little vitamin shot. So as tempting as it is to get that whole 16-ounce bottle and chug it, you're better off pacing it out into smaller doses because you'll get that immediate lift as as well as the kind of longer-term benefit of it. Oh, okay. Very cool. That's a, that's a great tip because I typically chug the whole thing in like two minutes. <laughs> well, it's like your Starbucks latte or whatever. It's like, oh, I spent $5 on this. It's a treat. I'm just going to, you know, chug the whole thing down. But, you know, for some people, and again, in terms of like how much kombucha should each person drink, that's again a personal decision based on how your body feels. Um, so some people who maybe have more toxins in their body or are trying to heal from something, drinking a whole 16-ounce bottle will create you know, the need to go hang out in the bathroom for a while. Uh, whereas other people who maybe have, and I've often heard about this in people who first start drinking kombucha, and I certainly was this way, is you crave it a lot. And I, I chalk that up to the body is needing some kind of nutritional element, whether that's the bacteria, whether it's the B vitamins, whether it's the detox, whatever it is, it's deriving something important from the kombucha. And so listening to your body, drinking what your body tells you is right. And then like me, you'll find at times you don't have it at all. Mm-hmm. A couple of days might go by and then you're kind of like, oh, I feel weird. You have your kombucha, you're like, okay, I feel right again. Um, so... Again, it's listening to your body, trusting the signals that your body is giving you, and then practicing that in other ways. Mm-hmm. So for you, it's everything is based on gut feeling and intuition as far as drinking kombucha is concerned? Well, it moves more and more towards that. And like I said, okay. when I first started making kombucha, I didn't know totally what I was doing. I checked out a book from the library. And part of why I founded Kombucha Camp was to teach others how to make kombucha. So that's the genesis of the name, Kombucha Camp, because I wanted to teach others how to make kombucha. And this was back in like 2003, 2004. And my husband was like, you're crazy. That's weird. Why would anyone want to make this weird thing with this <laughs> funky looking <laughs> culture? And, uh, and it took a few years. But when I finally developed a flavor he liked, he ended up losing 40 pounds. In wow. a years. Yeah, it took some time, and there were other, you know, things he tweaked in his diet, but kombucha certainly was a big component of that in terms of, you know, giving him, we replaced Gatorade, we replaced sodas, and, and here's the thing is, I'm not an all-or-nothing person, like, I still have soda, but I'll mix it with my kombucha, huh. so... Sometimes I want a little sweet to balance it out, or this is a great tip for, um, you know, introducing it to people who have a soda addiction, especially the diet sodas, is at least mix it half and half and then gradually increase the kombucha, the idea being that at least they're deriving some probiotic benefit, some nutritional benefit from having it there with the idea that you're, you're gradually edging their body towards not liking it because... The funny thing is, is I'll go back and I'll have a sip of soda every once in a while. I'll be like, whoa, my gosh, this is so sweet. And that's why I want to put my kombucha in it because I want to balance out the sugar. So, I mean, this is the argument that these major companies use for, you know, discussing why they continue to make processed foods that they know harm people. 
is because you always just consume in moderation. And while that's sort of true, it's also like, well, what else is in there? Are there addictive chemicals? Are there uh, other things to that? But you know, we 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 tend to get very extreme in our perceptions here in the U.S. Like, oh, I'm gonna just quit everything. Um, but that doesn't work over time. Yeah. So knowing yeah. that you can have those things in balance, I think, helps to relax again the organism. This isn't to stress you out. It's just to help you get into a better habit. Yeah, very cool. So as far as the, you said your husband lost 40 pounds, that's incredible, uh, even over a few years using that and a few other changes. Have you seen any other changes that are just incredible from Ed Kombucha, even if it's just a catalyst into someone's life? Well, and it's funny because there'll be uh, immediate benefits that people feel right away, like the feeling good, having more energy, improved digestion. For instance, he no longer had to take an antacid pill every night. You know, every night he was taking a, a Zantac or whatever, that Prilosec, whatever it was. And when he started drinking kombucha, because he then got the pH of his stomach in appropriate balance, he didn't need to take that anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, myself personally, I've uh, and there's a little video about this on the blog, is I had a really bad case of poison oak. It did not help that at all. <laughs> I tried applying it topically. The poison oak was painful and uncomfortable and nothing would help that. But... A couple years after that outbreak had occurred, I was brewing kombucha, and I like to brew with just my hands, no gloves or anything, because I like to touch the bacteria and be in touch with them. Um, They feel soft, and they leave your skin really soft. But I noticed that poison oak bumps were expressing on my hand, and I was like, that's really weird. I haven't been hiking. I wonder what that is. And then they went away, and I was making kombucha again, and they came back. And it dawned on me, oh, the kombucha is pulling this poison oak toxin out of my body through my skin. Through your your hands specifically because your hands were in the kombucha? Exactly right. And so many people who have eczema use it topically. So, So this opens up the whole other ball. So kombucha isn't just for drinking. Kombucha... And again, this is like, like, you're just saying kombucha can do everything. And it just is the nature of what it is. But it does help soften the skin. My husband gave up shampoo. He only used a kombucha rinse. So just like you've heard of people using apple cider vinegar, kombucha is gentler. It's not going to be as intense and strip the hair as much. Um, people use it topically, like I said, for eczema, for burns. You can also take pieces of the culture and use them like a bandage. In fact, in Brazil, they developed a commercial application using the same bacteria, Acetobacter zolinum, which is what we often find is creating that that structure in the kombucha. And they make living bandages. So people who are burn victims or who have very deep wounds that would necessitate frequent redressing, the culture is porous, so it's able to breathe. It has that low pH, so it's like iodine. It it helps to... um, uh, prevent any other organisms from growing in there and over time people have said it helps to speed the healing of the skin more quickly hmm. interesting so it's beneficial not only for the gut and, and your health internally but the skin and the hair as well well absolutely and when you think about that again there's bacteria on everything <laughs> using mm-hmm. probiotic cleaners and probiotic soaps are way better for you than antibiotic because antibiotic comes in and it kills everything indiscriminately and where a quick you know rinse under the sink is going to get rid of any traveler bacteria it typically leaves your native bacteria intact and and those native bacteria are part of that bacterial force field i was talking about now if you use an antibacterial gel or something you're stripping your body of everything and that only allows favorable conditions for negative for pathogenic bacteria to then proliferate and this is why we've even seen 
you know, the FDA is starting to call into question all these antibacterial soaps and things like that, especially in light of the superbugs and, you know, the illnesses that are really kind of out of control that our, our current drugs can't, can't conquer. And when we, and so why is this? It's a really cool thing called isopathy, which is a Greek word for like controls like. So basically, healthy bacteria keep unhealthy bacteria in check by creating an environment that's inhospitable to those bacteria. And if we go even another step deeper, right, because germ theory is still just a theory. And while it certainly is true in certain cases that pathogenic bacteria come in and they create disease, there's another theory that's really interesting called pleomorphism. And pleomorphism is this theory that... Um, that things evolve and change based on the environment around them. So thinking about that, if your body, again, we have this acid-alkaline balance in our bodies, that's the chemistry of what's going on. We're a battery, so we need minerals to run properly. But if our pH, if our environment starts to shift and goes more to the, um, and I don't know if it's the acid or alkaline, I always read conflicting information, but if it gets out of balance one way or the other, you've created an environment in your body that is amenable to disease and illness and basically sends a chemical signal to the natural world that your body's ready to decay and be broken down. Now, now the, that's a real problem with communication right there because you're still alive, you're still wanting to be vibrant and active, yeah. and so that's not what you want to have happen. But how do we change that message? It's through chemistry. So by consuming our fermented foods, and there's many things that help alkalize or, you know, bring you back into balance. Again, you don't want to only eat a certain type of food because our body needs both. Um, but eating those things in balance in a way that makes your body feel good just can really, it sends the right signal. Right. I wonder, are you familiar, well, as far as teeth and gum health is concerned, are you, have you seen any research or seen anything with kombucha benefiting that because the... Uh, you know, cavities and things like that. Obviously, bad bacteria is a huge culprit in, in that decaying and things like that. Yeah, you know, um, yes and no. I mean, some people report that when they drink kombucha, they they have some issues with their teeth hurting. And again, every body is different. So your chemistry, your pH, what you need, David, is going to be different than what I need in my body just because for the fact that we're completely different organisms and even our microbiomes, our guts, are going to have totally different bacterial signatures. And so really, again, it comes back to that trust your gut thing. Because we're individual organisms, we have to do what makes sense for our specific body. So um, some people have found it certainly has helped improve uh, their mouths and 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 has fortified their teeth in that way. I'm not saying that kombucha is like putting calcium in there or anything, but mm -hmm. it doesn't have that adverse effect, whereas other people have found it does make their teeth more sensitive. And if that's the case, then we would recommend drinking it through a straw. Um, the straw is just going to shortcut the teeth and get it right into the gut so that you don't have that same kind of feeling or effect in your mouth. Makes sense. Very cool. So, okay, so kombucha is one fermented drink. There's many ways to to get probiotics in the diet. You mentioned fermenting vegetables and uh, kefir and things like that. How do you think kombucha compares to probiotics and other ways of, of fermenting vegetables and foods? Is it Do you think it's more beneficial, less beneficial, or it just, once again, kind of depends on the, the person? Well, there's over 500 types of bacteria and yeast that live in your gut. You're not going to find all 500 in one fermented food. Um, most fermented foods, like you're mentioning, the kefirs and sauerkrauts and things like this, are lactobacillus-dominant ferments. 
the lactobacillus is native in the soil when you make the when you pound your cabbage and add your salt those natural bacteria get to work preserving those vegetables um, same with the kefir and even jun which is a lactobacillus dominant ferment now kombucha is an acetic acid ferment so it's a different type of bacteria different type of acids being created so um, I personally think where kombucha like I think of kombucha as the queen of the ferments and the reason I think that it's made from tea you Google tea, first of all, it's the most popular beverage in the world outside of water. And in fact, most ancient peoples did not drink water because it wasn't potable. So you had to do something to the water, ferment it, or you know, make beer, or turn it into tea, or something like that, boil it, so that you could actually consume it. So, um, so, so kombucha, I think, is a queen just because tea has so many terrific health benefits. The fermentation process makes all of those healthy elements more bioavailable to the body. The healthy acids created by the acetobacter bacteria, which detoxify the body and bring the liver back to balance, all of those things combine. Like if you were going to start with one fermented food or beverage, I'd start with kombucha. If you found that it was still too tart for you, you can always dilute it in a little water. It's like a little lemon in your water that way. Or if it really was more than you could handle, then try the lacto-ferments. Go to a water keeper or something like that. Now, I know you said you fermented kombucha and kefir before. Do you personally gravitate one towards the other? More, uh, probably more kombucha for me, just because kefir, it's, I have fermented non-dairy kefir, and it's a little bit, it's good, but it's a little bit thick, so it's a little bit, I just feel like kombucha resonates a little better and really kind of cleans me out better and just feels lighter, if you will, mm. which I think that there's something to that light feeling. That I think that's more of a natural, more... It just feels better, I guess. Well, and, and in water keeper or non-dairy keeper, typically what we're fermenting is, you know, sugar and water. And so fermenting just sugar is not going to have the same health benefits as fermenting tea and sugar. Or if you do the coconut, I would say that's probably a great substrate to use for the keeper because coconut has so many healthy elements to it. So it's always going to depend on the substrate, and by that I mean what you're fermenting. Mm -hmm. uh, so whether that's tea or cabbage or carrots or whatever, um, the health benefits of those things are going to come through in your in that ferment. Mm -hmm. But it's good to have a variety. But I do think kombucha is the best. Right. I have yeah. to say I'm a little partial, though. Right. Well, I, it's funny. I agree with you, and I, I it tastes the best. And I really think there is something more to it than the other fermented uh, beverages and foods, just because I think partially too, it being a liquid, by default, it's going to be more bioavailable and uh, beneficial because our bodies gravitate towards and use and need liquid, aka water, more mm. so than food. So it just kind of makes sense from that perspective. Then you add on top of it the, the tea, the medicinal herbs and tea and those types of things. I think there's a lot more to it. But I agree with you 100%. Having different products is definitely beneficial. It makes a lot of sense. Are there um, local ferments where you are that, that you've maybe never heard of or that are new to you? Uh, I, I don't know. That's a good question. There's a company in Michigan that, like I mentioned, Unity Vibration Kombucha. They actually make kombucha and kombucha beer. Uh, and there's there are more companies. Coming. I, don't, I don't know locally in Michigan. Now, here in Costa Rica, I don't think anyone knows what kombucha is at all. Uh, but one day, one day. <laughs> well, and, you know, the funny thing is, is we've heard of kombucha coming from many different areas. So, like, for instance, in Brazil or South America, certain people have fermented. It's called, uh, you know, te de chino ongo or ongo chino, like Chinese mushroom is the translation of that. Um, they sometimes just use, like, 
sugarcane juice, so they're using just fruit as opposed to sugar. So there are other ways in which people have fermented kombucha, and we've heard about it in different places, although finding some kind of authoritative resource, that's, that's been difficult to nail down. But certainly we've heard stories of it being in, in South and Central America as well. Um, you know, we think it's maybe from China, although maybe Russia's more likely. It's really hard to say. We haven't totally pinned that down. But honestly, it doesn't really matter as long as it's doing what you want it to do. Right. But, um, yeah. but just in terms of unity vibration, I just wanted to mention, you know, um, as founders of Kombucha Brewers International, uh, part of what, kombu- like I said, so I started Kombucha Camp as a workshop. My husband thought I was crazy. And then I started blogging about kombucha in 2007 at kombuchacamp.blogspot.com. Now we've gotten rid of the blogspot. Um, but I, I started that blog because I was frustrated by the lack of quality information about kombucha. You know, if you go to the Mayo Clinic site, you'll see they don't recommend it. Or, or even people like Dr. Andrew Wild caution against it because you could contaminate it. I mean, just like any other food that you make right. at home. I mean, you might as well say don't cook because you might hurt yourself. Right. But, you know, I'd rather trust my cooking than who knows, than a stranger or whatever. Right. Um, so when I started the blog in 2007, because I was someone who loved commercial kombucha, I started reaching out to different com- commercial brands. And um, my husband joined forces with me, and, and out of those relationships and whatnot, um, People were like, yeah, we need a trade group, but no one company felt that they had the energy or resources or ability to do that on their own, and we just kind of became a natural point where everyone was encouraging us to do this, and we're really excited that we've you know, gone ahead and created this trade association. Kombucha, as we know, is like just even in those few years, from you know, seven years, from 2007 to 2014, we've seen so many new companies enter the space, so many more people know about kombucha, and I personally believe part of why it's so popular is because we need it right now. We're mm-hmm. so toxic, we need these natural detoxifiers in our life, and people are grabbing that bottle, drinking it, feeling good, and then telling everyone else about it. And so um, so it's really exciting to, to start to bring the industry together and, and really get some information, quality information into consumers' hands because so much time is spent when you're out sampling, like what is kombucha? A lot of people still don't know what it is, so um, it's good to have an outlet for us to be able to communicate that to a broader audience. Yeah, I think that's awesome you brought that trade association together. It's going to help the industry really move forward and, and hopefully one day kombucha be a regular beverage that people consume and and hopefully, and I think it will drive the price down too because if there's more competition, there's more uh, companies out there doing this kind of stuff, it'll drive the price down so more people can afford kombucha as well. So that's, I think, great as well. Well, and I'll just say something about price really quick. I mean, look, a soda can be cheap because all they're taking is a, is a pre-made syrup and adding carbonated water. You're done in 10 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Making kombucha, there is a certain, you know, there's a time period, there's a fermentation process, and it's not just... A plus B equals C, like you will have, who knows, the weather will change or something will happen and a batch will just turn out different and, and um, anyone out there who's a home brewer, they might have two batches right next to each other, one tastes great, the other tastes terrible, exact same stuff, exact same time started and who knows why that is, you know, so these are living organisms, I think of it more similar to like the craft beer or wine where what we're going to see are, you know, 30 brands of kombucha on a shelf, they all taste different, they all have different flavors or, or, or characteristics to them, and I think that that's really what we're going to see as, 
you know, we've kind of seen sophistication occur in other categories, like coffee. People know all about their beans, and is it shade-grown, and is it cold-pressed? And then we've seen the same thing with tea, and is it organic, and where is it coming from, first flush? And I think as we um, evolve as a as a as a planet and whatnot, our, our intelligence grows and, and we're going to become more refined in how we think about these things. And uh, mm-hmm. so, so that's where I really see the future of kombucha going. And, you know, part and parcel to all of that is we were all, we've also been consultants for many uh, companies and brands just helping people. Because even though you make kombucha, it doesn't necessarily mean that you even understand what the process is. And so we've helped many people, whether it's in, you know, recipe development or just shortcutting to the information that can only come from experience. Um, you know, we really care about this industry. We want so you know, we want everybody to be drinking kombucha, whether that's a commercial brand or making it at home, that we just try to help promote this forward. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Final You gonna start your own brand, David? <laughs> Maybe one day. I do love kombucha. <laughs> Final question I have for you is beyond kombucha and, and what the work you're doing. <laughs> uh, do you, or what kind of advice would you have for our listeners around health and wellness in general? It could be diet-related, exercise-related, or spiritual-related, whatever it may be, a sort of practice. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? My connection broke up there. Uh, sorry, yeah, it's probably my internet in Costa Rica. Uh, beyond kombucha, what health and wellness practices, uh, be it diet, exercise, spiritual practices, would you recommend to our listeners to integrate in their lives? Um, All of the above. I mean, uh, kombucha is something that gets you back in touch with your organism, and and through that, I think, at least for me, how, how I've come to understand spirituality is through nature. We are nature. There is no separation between us and the clouds and the ants and the dirt and the roots and the bacteria. Like, we are all bacterio sapiens we all require healthy bacteria in order to function properly and while bacteria may not sound sexy or spiritual i think communing and feeling the oneness through drinking kombucha through just sitting in in one place and absorbing the sun rays whatever that is you you feel part of something bigger than just this human organism and that to me is um is spiritual because it it means that we are all part of a collective body, literally, you know, the microcosm, the macrocosm. We are all kind of cells in this earth body, and um, as much as we can be good cells and, and help to spread that positivity, again, if we think about environment, the more that we create that positivity in our environment, just through being who we are, I, I think that we raise the vibration of, of the earth and the energy and and. And all that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. Creating more positive change. Thank you so much for your time and being on the podcast. Where can our listeners find you to learn more online? I know Kombucha Camp is your website, but where else as well? Absolutely. So we um, store.kombuchacamp.com. We've got fresh living cultures, not just kombucha cultures, but also jun, water kefir, milk kefir. Um, all of our cultures are living. You can also check out our videos on YouTube, backslash Kombucha Camp, or on Facebook. I mean, there's so many, any social media outlet, you can find us there, Twitter, Google+, Pinterest, etc. And um, we love new people coming into the space, asking questions. We're happy to help. And, in fact, a lot of the kind of, you know, Facebook group and whatnot, everyone else is jumping in to help out, too. Because once you kind of get into Kombucha, there's this 
like natural energy that goes with it. So yeah. um, lots of ways to connect with us. And um, and if you're interested in starting your own kombucha company, there is kombuchabrewers.org is where you can find more info about the nonprofit trade association. Awesome. And, if, and for everyone listening, it's kombuchacamp with a K.com. Thank you so much. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on the show sometime in the future. Have an awesome rest of the day. Thanks. You too, David. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye.